Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Ian Kreitzer. Graylin is not with us, but we do have a very special guest uh, in the office uh, in our in our production studio today. Um, Michael Wolf. Michael, how are we doing? I'm doing good. Special guest. I like that. Special guest. Yeah, you got to make our guests feel special. <laughs> um, so tell us what it is you do for a living. Okay. Before we do that, though, I gotta I gotta say, what are you doing for a living, man? This is crazy. It, we met uh, four years ago, something like that. You yeah. were in college, and I mean, look at this. You were like <laughs> the czar, man. Links Magazine. Hey, I'm I'm I'm, I'm definitely boy definitely boy in demand in 48 short months. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I need to uh, talk to Mr. Pepper. Yeah. Actually, I really need to talk to the HR department here and see what is going on at Lynx Magazine. <laughs> they're, they're letting the young guys call the shots. It's uh, Gil Hans, Jeff Ogilvy, Ian Kritzler. Yeah. Hey, what a world! What a time to be alive! <laughs> it's amazing. No, thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, always happy to talk talk golf. I love it. It's kind of what I do all day, all every day, yep. and uh, it's uh, it's fun to be here. Good. Nice good. to finally see the place. Yeah. I'm glad glad to hear it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, your your life daily, you know, whatever, uh, PJ Tour um, agent essentially. Yeah, started life as a CPA yep. um, twenty six years ago, twenty five years ago. Um, worked for a big uh, German automobile company, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing typical controlling and CFO type stuff, and a lot of travel and a lot of on the road. Um, but um, I uh, had a uh, you know, always had an interest in golf. I started a caddy in at a 12 years old, always an interest in architecture and stuff like that. And, and just through blind good luck, right, being born at the right place at the right time, uh, one of my good friends from um, all the way back in high school uh, made it on the PGA Tour, Jim Herman. Yep. And uh, Hermie, as we call him, um, <laughs> you know, as, as he progressed from um, working as a club pro into web.com and um, starting to get on the PGA Tour, started to have some questions about his taxes and his, uh, you know, some of his endorsement contracts and stuff like that he was being offered. And as a CPA and a friend, I offered to help uh, for free. And he liked the free part, I think. And uh, one thing is just kind of turned into another and another and another and you know six or seven guys later I'm just still trying to offer advice and um, you know mostly like I say it's kind of on the business side of things right and uh, it's a great way to meet people and see cool stuff and uh, it's kind of crazy how and, it's all worked out and play some good golf for and sure play a lot of good golf <laughs> yes I, I that I'm, I'm I'm willing to work for free I, I, I had a pretty successful career and uh, things have gone well for me on the on uh, the on that side of the ledger uh, and so uh, I'm happy to provide um, the advice because because I kind of approach it as these are my friends and I'm trying to help guys especially the web guys who are um, you know um, people forget about the travel expenses and, and oh, yeah. the shortness of the careers and stuff like that so I'm happy to try to provide um, you know guidance when I can and, and sometimes that turns into a full-blown you know uh, agenting relationship and sometimes it's just it's 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 no more complicated than just trying to help a guy who who you know needs some help with accounting just like I need help with um, curing my duck hooks sometimes so um, <laughs> you know happy to do it when it works out and if it turns into more than that I'm I'm still happy to do it but um yeah it's, it's just i consider it kind of fun awesome and it, yeah and it's a nice way to spend retirement <laughs> absolutely um so Hermie is is your kind of your best known uh your best known client you know friend um so who, who are the other web guys uh just to name some names that you represent yeah just kind of all over the map everybody from i mean uh they're all pretty low-key guys yeah. um I, I wouldn't work for i you know i'm not interested in going back out on the road i did that uh for my professional career for 23 years uh so i'm not really lo- interested in going back on the road and traveling a lot but yeah. but anybody from a rob oppenheim to a justin hicks uh you know guys who maybe not household names but when you look at their stats it's uh you know good it's long good. careers and uh polite gentlemen who um you know it, it's it's i get as much out of 
helping them as, as certainly they do out of taking my advice. But really, what I like is some of the younger guys, some of the web.com guys. I mean, somebody like a, a Wes Homan, yep. who, uh, you know, he played at SMU and was, you know, great in college and, and just trying to fight through the Monday qualifying uh, thing and trying to get through that second stage, um, you know, trying to help with a guy like him is, is every bit as rewarding as, is, uh, you know, doing the fun stuff of, of watching, um, you know, Jim Herman win a golf tournament or getting to go play Pine Valley with him or something like that. And right. Then, my latest one is from our home club. Uh, we had one of the young ladies who, who uh, worked for us in the pro shop. Um, she She's made it out on uh, the Symmetra Tour, uh, oh, minor really? leagues. And, um, yeah, so it's it's a fat, Fatima Cano from uh, – Fatty Cano from uh, – from, um, um, Spain and um, so that's kind of a new thing for me to learn this year is try awesome. to kind of figure it out um, the first thing is how to get her in the country and, and make sure we're doing everything legal with the immigration <laughs> right. process but then also just trying to figure out the, the women's you know the business side of the women's game which uh, man on the Symmetra tour it is a tough way to go those girls um, you know they work as hard as the guys and um, they uh you know they love the game as much, but but man, trying to make the dollars and cents add up, uh, it's, it's tough. For it's them. Tough, yeah. yeah, I can't imagine. So you know, anything I can do to help is uh, is makes me feel good. You know, oh yeah, no, kind no, of no, contribute. No, absolutely. Um, you mentioned you you have one really good Hermy story to tell um, about the Masters and how he. Yeah. Yeah. So it was all kind of, uh, this goes back uh, a number of years, but uh, one of the things, Jimmy's known for three or four things. Um, uh, You know, he's a pretty quiet guy and his ball striking, uh, you know, some people that pay attention to the stats know he's he's always been in the top 10 in the ball striking and and almost won greens in regulation, went on tour. But but probably the best thing he's known for is winning the Houston Open uh, the week week before the Masters. And uh, that's really when this whole, uh, you know, relationship of me being his business manager and agent before that it was kind of a, a, a fun thing to kid about among our circle of friends and, yeah. and uh, I enjoyed the perks of, of you know getting the badge that let me walk inside the ropes for the practice rounds and right. eat free food in the uh, dining room and stuff like that with in player dining but uh, yeah he was putting out on the 18th hole uh, over in Houston and um, on Sunday night the putt had just gone in to beat Henrik Stenson by one shot and while they were still interviewing him on TV, uh, I looked down at my cell phone, and the caller ID was Augusta National. And I picked up the phone, and I said, uh, hello. And I, you know, I, I kind of knew what was coming. And they yeah. said, uh, they, the, the gentleman, the member uh, from Augusta, uh, told me his name. And he asked me to confirm that I was indeed Jim's agent. And it was, you know, it was kind of surreal. Uh, yeah. Every bit of surreal watching your your friend uh, beat um you know, beat Henrik Stenson to win a, a $6 million golf tournament. But um, <laughs> I, I said, yeah, I'm, I, I guess I am his agent. <laughs> and he said, well, we'd like to invite him to play in the Masters next week. And I, so I got to kind of accept on, on Jim's behalf. Um, you know, everybody else gets a written invitation. But if you win the week before the Masters, apparently they just call up one of your friends and ask him if you want to come over. <laughs> and uh, the next 24 hours uh, were just, I mean, it was just crazy. You know, yeah. I mean, he, he, Jim didn't have his phone on. He was busy, you know, trying to fulfill, you know, make it the sponsors. And she's been happy don't want to look ahead you right, want to thank yeah. the sponsors and thank the volunteers and sign all the aggress and stuff so for four or five hours i was trying to figure out how to get him on a plane or a jet from uh from houston to augusta the next morning and you know the phone calls from uh from golf channel to go live on television yeah. and from the communications chairman uh, uh chairman at uh, augusta national to do a live interview with you know national media um the next morning at eight o'clock in the morning and trying to figure out how to get him there and try to get his wife and two children who are school age and are down in Port St. Lucie, Florida and trying to get his mother and his brother uh, and, and you know, all the friends and where are we going to find tickets and where are we going to find a house and all this needed to be done in 24 hours. So that's um, amazing. It, it was fun, uh, but 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 that's when really the kind of the rubber hit the road and, and I realized, uh, okay, if I'm going to do this, hey, I, I need to, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm 
I'm, I'm truly representing this guy and, uh, right. and taking care of things when they need to be taken care of. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. A, a normal tour event. Um, there's not much reason for, for me to be there or really for most of the players to have an agent that would travel with them from, from week to week, unless you're, you know, Tiger Woods or Justin Thomas or somebody in, in your, you know, constantly fending off, um, people asking you to do things. Um, the, uh, a general tour player doesn't really need anybody out there week to week, but that week Herman needed me. And, um, it was, it was, uh, every bit of a thrill for me. You know, they handed me the, the golden ticket. We pulled in, we drove down Magnolia Lane and the chairman of Augusta National was waiting outside the front door for us to pull up. And, uh, they took Jim away to do his hair and the makeup to go live on golf channel. And in the meantime, they handed me an envelope with a whole bunch of master's badges in it. And there was one that had my name on it and it had a little, uh, sticker on the back of it that let me go anywhere I wanted on the whole property for the whole week. I could eat in the clubhouse. I could uh, look through their library. I could walk in the media center. I could go down to the uh, maintenance barn. It was uh, it was kind of crazy. That that is. It. For the listeners that don't know me, uh, but the ones that do know me will be laughing right now because that is a dangerous thing to give me as an all-access pass to Augusta National. So it was yeah. uh, it was really quite a thrill. And, and um, you know, Jimmy and I just by chance had had been there. Um, I'd been there a couple times before, and he had been there twice before. But we had actually played Augusta together the uh, November before, and and. It was kind of eerie because that you know I, it, I'm playing Augusta National, so I'm taking pictures and I'm uh, you know doing what what a typical knucklehead would do who who gets to um, play Augusta National. But Jimmy was a little bit more focused that day, and uh, he was playing the back tees and he was playing well, and he was kind of you know he was treating it as kind of a practice round, and he, he even told our our host that um, and the host remarked back, you know, let's see you back here in five months. So it was kind of crazy that, that five months later um, you it know, actually he, happened. He yeah. was back there. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. So so the all access pass to Augusta got you know the library you. you for someone like you, you're a big, big golf history guy. Um, and uh, so tell us a little bit about your your uh, if, um, affinity for golf history and and all that, because you're you're a great follow on Twitter. If you if you're a big golf history uh, buff. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. And, uh, and then we'll we'll move on to golf travel uh, as well. But. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think it probably stems from my childhood. Um, like I said, I started caddying at age 12. Um, my dad was a big golfer and, and golf was call, kind of always around the house, you know, the yeah. clubs laying around and stuff. But went to caddy. I got cut from the uh, seventh grade baseball team and needed something to do for the summer. And I had a friend who had already started caddying. So very typical tale that you hear of a lot of guys. You're supposed to be 14, I think. I went over and I was 12 and the guy said, how old are you? And I said, 14. <laughs> and they put me to work the next day. Um, I was lucky because the club I went to work for is a place called Clovernut Country Club in Cincinnati, and it is a um, Langford and Moreau uh, 1923 golf course. Oh wow, yeah. Um, that that's still um, kind of a working class club, and because of that, they've never had any real uh, serious renovations or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still they've still got 18 original Langford and Moreau greens that are spectacular. Um, if you've been to Lawsonia or if you've heard of Lawsonia, uh, Clovernut is right up there as far as um, you know from 50 yards in. Um, like a lot of old clubs, they battle, um, you know, being overtreed and things like that today. And the other thing that was uh, kind of special about Clovernook was the first head professional was Archie Simpson. Um, he came over from, um, you know, he, that was the Archie Simpson of, of Cruden Bay fame and, and uh, you know, yeah. the, the Simpson uh, uh, clan from, from the Carnoustie area that, uh, you know, designed a lot of uh, golf uh, courses kind of on the western side of uh, the western coast of Upper Scotland. And um, so the club, even though it was, like I say, a working man's club, um, 
you know, they had an appreciation for that. There were there were pictures and things hanging there, and there was, you know, there was still a, uh, a Carnoustie Day. Um, that was a big day, and oh, cool. it was an all walking club. You know, they still had the caddies, and even today, they're they're you know very proud of the number of Evans um, scholars they've had and stuff like that. So, um, uh, you know, that kind of got me into it. And then second thing, which uh, that was that was the plus. Uh, the minus was um, I loved golf, and I was really into it at an early age. Um, in college, um, I got pretty sick and wasn't able to play. Um, for quite a while and and just because my um relatives were looking for you know things to keep me occupied while i was in the hospital and things like that they brought me a lot of golf books i've always been a big reader and um, you know just started reading and um you know golf instructional books and and stories about chichi rodriguez and and lee trevino telling jokes or whatever you know those things were never really my my cup of tea, but it was, you know, when I started to read some stuff um, by Dan Jenkins, had a particular book called You Gotta Play Hurt that was um, one of the characters was at a ho- staying at a hotel over in uh, North Berwick and was talking about, um, you know, and I had, I had heard of Muirfield before, but then they had made it a, um, you know, the character talked about um, North Berwick and talked about um, Gullen and, and so I thought, no, that's something, you know, just kind of stuck in my mind. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Pepper, um, you know, the editor of this fine institution, um, his <laughs> book Home, Home on 18 about his two years that he spent living in St. Andrews and his experience as a member in the RNA. And then Michael Bamberger wrote a book called, called uh, To the Lynx Land about, he wrote a couple of books about caddying, but but there was one in particular um, that I remember reading. Um, it's a great book still, you know, if you can find a copy today. Um, Michael's obviously, a you know, one of the giants in the in the um, writing game. Um, about his time caddying. Half, first half is the books about caddying around Europe, and then second half is really kind of, you know, um, finding Makarhanish and, and just kind of getting into the soul of the game. And back then, I mean, this was, you know, this is the late 80s, so it's before um, yeah. it's before the internet, it's before all those things. It was kind of hard to find stuff, but that kind of ignited the, the um, fever, and, and um, it's, it's um, un- unfortunately, it's taken hold, my wife would say, and um, <laughs> I, I've just always been a big, um, you know, it's kind of worked out nice because in your travels, um, you know, the, if you're looking to kind of keep track of where we've been and things like that, um, and you start playing overseas that, you know, some clubs have, um, you know, so, so some guys like to, you know, buy golf shirts with logos on them. Some people like to have hats. Some people like to have balls. But um, but if you buy a book, a lot of times it's got, you know, the guides, the whole by whole guide. So it's, it's nice to go back later. But then in the front chapters of the book, it's also got the history. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so it's a nice thing to kind of, you know, you accumulate them slowly but surely over time. And then uh, now if I'm if I'm going to an out of the way place or someplace new, I'll, I'll try to find the book ahead of time and uh, do a little bit of research just to, to find you know, yeah. what I've got. De- definitely. What's the what's the book you're looking for right now? Ooh, let's see. If there's any <laughs> listeners out there, they have a copy of a uh, dark blue leather bound members edition of the Somerset Hills Club History. Uh, I need that one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Somerset Hills, I would say. And then also uh, I'm headed for my first golfing trip to Japan in oh, wow. um, in uh, November. Um, and I'm going to play most of the, the great uh, Allison uh, Japanese courses. And uh, I've got the Hirono Club History, which I can't read because it's in Japanese. But uh, <laughs> if any, I, I need one from Narua, which I know exists. And then there's uh, Tokyo Golf Club. I'd like one from there, but I'm not sure if there is one. <laughs> so that's kind of on my list while I'm over there is also to investigate that. It's uh, the Japanese uh, kind of investigating that trip is a little harder, you know, with the oh, language yeah. barriers and things like that. Um, not even knowing the characters, at least with, with um, you know, if you're playing in, in France or 
Germany or somewhere, you can, you know, at least you're working with the same alphabet. But um, yeah, um, yeah, just, you know, love to have them, love to loan them out. Um, I, you know, they're not something that I collect to sit on the shelves or to, to buy and trade, things like that. I, I really use them more as a my own personal kind of research library. A lot of the, the good clubs, the, the interesting <laughs> stuff yeah. isn't available on the Internet. Um, it's, it's you know, in, in these books, a lot of times aren't available to check out in the libraries. So um, when you can get your hands on ones, it, it feels pretty good, you know, when you open the cover and you see that they've only made 400 copies and I call them dead guy books. Um, <laughs> the chances are if you get a hold of a book from San Francisco Golf Club or from, uh, you know, from uh, Shinnecock or wherever, the previous owner, the reason you're getting the book is probably because the previous owner is dead. Um, there's, there's not a lot of Shinnecock members, I don't think, that are that are trying to, you know, resell their uh, the books that the club gave them for the 100th anniversary. Right. So, uh, yeah, they're interesting to see, but I also like to loan them out. You know, I, I do. My collection's getting big enough and, and somewhat well-known enough in circles that um, I'll get calls from time to time when people say, hey, can you look this up for me or can you check on this or hey I'm writing an article about you know this guy or that guy can can you see if um, you know he really did visit this course on this day or if there's anything in there in the club history about it so always happy to loan my books out as long as I get them back and as long as uh, you don't drop them in the bathtub <laughs> love that um, so going to Japan so uh, kind of leads us into the next uh, next topic so you're a big time golf traveler as well but love to see these uh, these courses make trips to the UK Australia uh, places like Japan so um, how many trips would you say you've made to you know like the UK Scotland Ireland England yeah so my my career the real career that that has paid for all of this um, was was in the automotive industry and my boss was uh, a German man and he lived in in Germany so I, I was going back and forth to Germany three or four times a year for 20 20 years 22 years something like that um, you know reporting to him and, and flying back and forth um, I um, you know, it did a couple things for me. It, it gave me kind of the courage mm-hmm. to, to realize I could I could pull it off. I mean, when I first started going to Germany, there were no cell phones, um, and, and the directions were written on pieces of paper, and you didn't book hotels or anything. You know, you called on, on the phone, and the person maybe could understand English and maybe not when you're trying to book a hotel reservation. But right. um, So so the at least the first four or five years I was traveling over there, um, it, it was old-school traveling, and it, it just kind of gave me some courage and, and also gave me the love of it. You know, meeting people and, and, and you know, um, through work, people would invite me to their houses and 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 kind of you know look after the new young guy American who is in town for the week and um, you start to learn different things about the culture and and the people and that makes it easy too and then from there it was a pretty natural transition with with my love of golf that hey now I'm starting to accumulate these um, you know frequent flyer miles and um, you know I've got some free time or I'm you know hey I'm I'm in Germany Monday through Thursday instead of flying straight home on Thursday night. Maybe I'll just take a layover through Edinburgh for three or four days and uh, see what they got over there. So it, it started uh, it started kind of that way. And uh, and then, you know, the more trips you make and you kind of branch out um, and then people started to want to come with me and they saw some of the pictures. And, and, and now, obviously, um, people go over much more often than they did. I mean, there, there were times right. uh, yeah. back in, in the 80s when I was there when I, I'd be the only American there that, that did say for a whole week in some of the lesser known places. So. Probably golf trips, um, you know, typical buddies golf trips weeks over. I, I go about twice a year, so probably okay. about 30 of them, um, one in the spring, one in the fall. Um, headed to Ireland, or I'm headed to uh, the English Channel courses uh, this May for six days uh, nice. with, yeah, with John Cavalier, the uh, oh, yeah. 
people that follow Twitter uh, golf GCA <laughs> stuff, you know John. So he's played everywhere in the United States. So we got to get him over there and, and get him going on. Because that's his first trip over. It's right? his first trip over. Yeah. yeah. And then Jay Ravel uh, from yep. Links Magazine, contributor here. Um, he's he's uh, sitting on the fence, but we're going to push him over in the next couple of days to uh, to head over there with us. So good. Headed there, and then guys from my home club are headed over to Ireland, uh, starting in Dublin, and then working their way up to uh, to the Ulster area. Um, that's in August. So cool. uh, that, that's pretty typical for me. I, you know, I'll get a call from people and know. You know, new guys that say, "Hey, we're you know we're thinking about going over. You know, you, you headed over anytime soon. Can we tag along? Things like that." And then, um, you know, I'll get the fever myself and uh, and want to head over uh, and, and do some exploring, uh, um, read a book or something, or just place I haven't been for a while. Um, want right. to see it? So I get uh, around a little bit. That's for sure. That, yeah, that, that definitely. If you follow I, if you follow me on Twitter, then then yeah, that's it, you, you'll see that. <laughs> yeah. The other part of it too that I would say that that was always important from a young age is is my mother and father. You know, they just um, they they always gave me kind of a. Um, uh, a belief in myself and, and kind of the permission to go out and do things, even though, uh, you know, we were middle-class family and I had three other sisters and that they need to take care of and stuff. They, they kind of always encouraged us to, to pursue our dreams. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sure kind of shaking their heads at some of it. My father's the kind of guy, he plays the same course with the same guys yeah. every Saturday morning, every Sunday morning for, right. for, for boy, it, it's, their group has been together for probably close to 50 years now. Wow. Um, yeah. and, and, and they just enjoy being around each other and they're perfectly content when they go on vacation to Myrtle Beach to play the same rotation of four or five courses. Yeah. Um, I, I did get my father to go over to San Andrews once, but but they've always encouraged me that, hey, if, if you think you want to fly over and, and drive to the Scottish Highlands to see um, some golf course nobody's ever heard of, um, do it, you know, and yeah. and, uh, and and that that helps a lot as a young man, uh, knowing that you you know that the uh, you're not completely crazy. Now now obviously with social media coming along and, and all the chat boards and stuff like that, it's 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 been terrible for me. I yeah. mean, you're just you're just feeding a bad <laughs> habit now. I mean, it is it is way more positive affirmation that I need that I'm not a weirdo. Oh god, yeah. Um, so kind of dive into your favorite destinations where where you would choose to go, um, and also which rota courses are your favorites but also which ones are not on the rota that are worth going to once you've checked off the big guys yeah uh, in scotland and yeah sure well i would say first of all i am first and foremost a consumer i am not a <laughs> um you know i am not a uh, reporter i am not a evaluator i am not i am certainly not an architect or an engineer or anything like that i just um, I don't know why I like what I like. I just, but I do know enough now that I know when I like it. If that right. makes sense yeah, to, yeah, to people yeah. listening uh, in their cars, drinking their coffee. Um, when when I see something and I like it, I know I like it, and I know if I want to do it again. And there's other places that um, I see, and I'm I'm never disappointed when I go that I went. Um, there's some places that are, you know, uh, I'm probably one of those guys that would rather see a, you know, a. a course that would be considered a, a six or a seven on a scale one to ten i'd rather see that for the first time than see a course that's in eight or nine for the tenth time right um but at the same time if you twist my arm i will absolutely go back and play yes. that eight, eight or nine course for the tenth time so i would say um you know a lot of it depends on the time of year um it depends on who i'm with uh i always enjoy uh with with rookies um taking them over and 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 heading um heading out west from edinburgh when we land i, I think that that you know the the area uh down you know north barrack gullen um and then out to um 
um, you know, Muirfield to do the 36 whole day with a lunch in between and right. all the things. I think for a guy who's really into golf or, or, or some people that are really into golf and particularly a group, um, that's a great thing. There are, there are, the nightlife is, is good there. And, and it's just, it's a nice variety, you know, that, to, to start them at, that, at, at Gullen or, uh, down at Dunbar and, and relatively straightforward, but they start to get a taste for it pretty, pretty quickly. And then they get the big day and, and the, the, the pomp and circumstance and the history of golf at Muirfield and playing 36 holes and getting a taste of the foursomes and the pace of play and the dogs on the course and everything like that. And then, you know, you take them over to North Berwick and especially for the guys that, that like golf and, and know kind of that they're going to Scotland and what they're getting into, yeah. but, but they're not really, really into it. And then when they, you know, you get them there and the first tee, they're kind of looking at you and then they get to the second hole and the third hole and the fourth hole and it just builds and builds and builds. And then, you know, those last six, seven holes, uh, it's, you know, the yeah. grin on their face and, and, um, you know, everybody's meeting on that, that, that great porch up on the second floor bar that overlooks the 18th hole. And it's, uh, it's it's you know the, those are fun to, to show new people um, stuff that they haven't seen before and kind right. of see it. But 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 I am just as happy you know um, being out um, you know battling the elements in in March um, you know trying to get those <laughs> shoulder season rates yeah. um, up in the Highlands or somewhere just you know with the, with the rain coming down and and pulling on my uh, pull cart and and I've got maybe one one hardcore friend with me or a friend that I've met over there through the years and picked up along the way who's just you know who's willing to brave the elements a, yeah. a, a good Scotsman uh, he'll get out of the house for for three or four hours to, to entertain a crazy American. So um, pretty much all over the place. But 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 I would say I, I like to go to different places. And, and the longer I haven't been to a place, mm-hmm. the, the, the more I want to go back you right, know, if I haven't right, been to a place. Yeah. So, so the channel courses that we're headed to in May, the last time I was there was probably 10 years ago. Okay, I'd played them all before except for um, I have not been to Littlestone before, and, and that was a mistake. So definitely try to, you know, to stop back in there. Right. Um, this time I'll be there in the summertime. Um, last time, you know, the, they call those winter courses that that's you know that's a little bit of a of a it's all relative i guess yeah. yes you can play golf there in the, in the winter you can get down to rye or you can play Royal st george's they're open all winter and the um the turf is is surprisingly good in the winter time but yeah. uh, uh there's nothing wrong with playing them on a nice sunny day when it's 75 degrees either, no so. absolutely nothing wrong with that yeah yeah um so other destinations besides scotland that are your favorites you so you mentioned you spent a lot of time in continental europe and yeah all that so so yeah. wh- wh- where would you where would you go if if you were if someone was suggesting a, a golf trip and um or planning a golf trip to continental europe where would you suggest sure. that they that they so, see so i'd say for the guys that have you know if you've been to st andrews and and you know and you've and you've played st andrews and king's barnes and and cart and carnoustie with you know a group and and you kind of liked it and you thought i'm gonna go back and do that again and then two or three later years later you've you know you've got another group or the same guys and you've decided to go back and this time you've maybe done that that Muirfield Gullen uh, North Berwick trip um, or maybe you've been up to the Highlands or maybe you've been over and done Presswick and Turnberry and, and uh, uh, Western Gales um, you're looking for something a little different or if you're traveling by yourself um, a, a great one is the Netherlands um, you know you fly into Shipway Airport there's a couple advantages about the Netherlands um, the first one is that um, you know if you're if you're a road warrior and you've got the frequent flyer miles KLM um, obviously is a, is a partner with um, with uh, Delta and so you can use your Delta miles to fly right into uh, Shipway Airport most of the their good courses are right around um, Shipway Airport 
Um, so that's an advantage. Um, the time um, when you go to the, ne- to the Netherlands also works in your favor. Um, and what I mean by that is the flights, you can land right into Schiphol at 6 a.m., um, 7 a.m. Yeah. So um, if you are, you know, if you got the kids and you got the wife at home and, and it's time is becoming a more pressing matter in your life, um, you head there, you can, you, you know, you can fly over on a Thursday night, you can land or fly over on a Sunday night, you land on Monday. And when you, by the time you land and get your bags, you can still be to a golf course um, that is right down the street from Schiphol. And I'm talking about really good Lynx golf um, golf courses. You know, you can be there in 30 minutes. Um, wow. for, for the guys that, you know, it, you, they drive on the right-hand side of the road. It's the exact same driving directions as it is in the United States. Yep. Um, so that helps. Um, <laughs> you can play. It's a little bit, you know, it's it's, it's a little bit like Seattle. Um, yeah. You can play 365 days a year. What's going to happen tomorrow? Nobody really knows. I mean, the the, the wind and yeah. the fog and things like that and, the, and kind of the mist. Um, but, but not much snow because they're so close to the water. And, um, yeah, so that's a good one. So there, there's five courses there. Um, there's Royal Hague. Um, there's Utrecht de Pan. There's Kenemer. Kenemer is probably the most famous one. If, if people have heard of it, they've heard of it. There's... Uh Two that I have a hard time pronouncing, the Norwegian and Eindhovenishki, however you pronounce that <laughs> one. But um, the three that the three really good ones that are right on the links. I mean, it's true links golf. It's it's as good as anything you'll see in Scotland as far as the you know the feeling of playing by the sea. Um, you know, in the in the maybe not quite the same routings as a as a Royal County or something, but 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 that next tier of, of really good. Right, um, yeah. Royal Haig, um, Kenimer, and, and Norwichki, uh, they're all, all three of them are right there. All three of them are, you know, 30 minutes from wow. Chippewa Airport. Yeah. Uh, great public transport transportation system. You can, you know, you can stay in a, a Marriott or someplace out by the airport and, and take a $2 um, train ride right into downtown Amsterdam wow. and, and CEO of everything, the food and everything the town's got to offer. So, that's a good one. Um, that's a good one. You know, if you've got business in Europe and you're flying back home um, through there, route yourself through Amsterdam, and and same thing coming home. So Amsterdam, uh, KLM, Delta, in the summertime at least, they've usually got like a three four p.m. flight, mm-hmm. and with the courses so close to the airport, you've still got some time to, um, you know, to play eighteen holes at eight o'clock in yeah. the morning. Get to the airport, check in. Um, everything works in your favor. They do have showers in the airport there. Catch a shower, yeah. and then you know Amsterdam back to to Atlanta or to to New York or Minneapolis or whatever. Um, pretty doable. Yeah. So, you know, those are nice because you can. You're only gone four days, but you can get four or five rounds. And it's tougher when you're making connecting flights and stuff like that. Yeah. You've got to tack on that extra day on the front and that extra day in the back. Um, the other one I would tell people is you as you start to you know you've you've seen some things and you want to try something a little bit different. Um, and, and maybe the wife wants to get involved because you've been talking about how awesome it's been and you've been over two or three times <laughs> and she hasn't been yet, is are the London courses. Th- that, yeah. to me, is an absolute no-brainer. Um, the guys who really know what they're talking about, like George Pepper and Tom Doak and um, Gil Hansen and, you know, those guys, they all tell people that, that, you know, England, England, everybody talks about Scotland because of St. Andrews and everybody talks about Ireland because of, of how beautiful the pictures are and things like that. But the courses around London mm-hmm. are they're spectacular, and there are so many of them, and they're close together. You know, if your if your wife is a golfer like I am, like my wife is, um, you know, and, and she wants to play a couple of times, she's welcome. They're pretty walkable courses. Um, they're welcoming. Um, if she only wants to play once, you know, they, you can spend one day together. Yeah. If she wants to, um, you know, 
not do anything and spend spend some money in, in the shops in downtown London or um, but you can be back you know you can play 18 holes at a, at a Sunningdale or a St. George's Hill or a Walton Heath or whatever and still be back into the hotel yep. and out to go to a play or go to a nice dinner or whatever in London and um, everybody wins yeah, I was just say win-win there yeah and then yeah. same thing kind of with the connecting flights is um, Amsterdam where you know anybody you know you can fly right into Heathrow yeah. and um, the Swinley Forest the Sunningdale's St. George's Hill that kind of cluster of courses there they're all, um, you know, the traffic is terrible at certain times of the day, but but at least geography-wise, um, they're right there, and it's yeah. certainly possible to play. Um, I know for a fact because I've done it. You can play Swindley Forest, or you can play um, St. George's Hill in the morning. Um, those are private clubs, but but the culture is changing over there. I mean, the first time that I got to play Swindley Forest, people looked at me like I had won the lottery, and <laughs> um, and now um, you know a, a polite phone call in the springtime saying, "Hey, I'm I'm going to be in London, or I'm considering a trip to London. Is there any chance between you know uh, June 20th?" And, and June 29th, um, they'll work with you and find you a day. Uh, yeah. th- things have changed. Um, same with Sun- Sunningdale, I think maybe even has online tea times now. And uh, St. George's Hill as well. Um, you know, a polite letter from your, um, or a polite phone call from your head pro at your club or, or writing them a nice email. And um, and usually that'll work out. So th- that's a pretty darn good collection. And yeah. like I say, they're, they're second tier courses. So if you're going to spend the weekend and, and, you know, most of the ones I just named, it's not going to be possible to show up and play at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning. But, but man, I mean, Woking and New Zealand and and um, West Hill and and they just go on and on and and um, if you're really into it, I mean Walton he's got um, 36 holes. Sunningdale maybe the best two course club in the world. I mean there's some people from Baltus Roll and Wingfoot that wouldn't like me saying that, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, w- yeah. you know, so so you can make a day of it. Oh, that's yeah. for sure. And the pace of play is is such that you know you can get out and and get around and and be back. Um, yeah. So that that's a good option too. Go oh, to yeah. London. Go to uh, go to Amsterdam. The, the, the two really good options. Check it out. Yeah. Um, so on that same note, kind of going drifting back into Scotland and and the rota courses. Which rota courses would you suggest that people play, and which ones would you say mm, maybe would skip out on those? Well, if you're, you know, if you're going to kind of make a study, if it's a once in a lifetime trip, do, do what you want. You know, it's it's your money, right. and it's yeah. uh, and 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 I would I would never want. Uh, I certainly want don't want to be on the hook for. Mike Wolf told me not to play this one or that <laughs> one. Uh, plus, I've got friends at most of those places now. But yeah. um, if you think you're going to go a couple times, I mean, the the two that would probably pop out at me would be um, Carnoustie. Only because um, there's a lot of good golf courses in St. Andrews, um, you know, in the Fife area. And, um, it, you know, it, if, you, if you're pretty sure you're going to go back or, you, or you've been doing this a little bit and you, and you think you want to do it, you know, you, you hang out in downtown, you know, St. Andrews and you play the old course and, and, and try your hand getting in the ballot that, that Graylin and um, and and Ian have gone over. You know, I won't go through that whole process. But You're right, yeah. But, um but, you know, you play the old course, you don't get it. You can play the new course, you can play the Jubilee course. Kings Barnes is there if you want to do it. Um, but, but you know, Crail and, and Ely and, and, and um, Levin and Luden and, and um, you know, um, there, there's enough there um, to not drag yourself out to Carnoustie. Um, and again, I, I love Carnoustie. It's, it's, it's a great golf course, obviously, and a, lot, and a lot of history there. But then you can save Carnoustie and you can uh, do Carnoustie on a separate trip and kind of work your way up the coast. So so if, if you're you know thinking of, of a trip somewhere down the line where you're going to go see Cruden Bay and you're going to go see um, Royal Aberdeen and Fraserburg and working your way up to Moray and, and you know, kind of going around that side. Um, to do that, you're probably going to fly into Edinburgh anyway. Yeah. Um, so you know it that's the carnoustie's on the way to go see those anyway so um you know if you're going to break into pieces i'd say i'd say that one the other one um 
that I would say is Turnberry um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's pretty darn expensive. Um, you know, Rota wise, I mean, uh, some people don't realize this. I mean, uh, we Americans think of like these the Royal Clubs and and the Rota Clubs is like something that have all been around for hundreds of years and like it's all fixed in stone. Um, it, it's not. I mean, it, it probably seems like it if you're 25 years old, but um, but you know, Royal Dornick wasn't Royal Dornick until uh, 30 years ago or 40 years ago, and, yeah. and same with Troon. I think they they got their affiliation 1977 or something like that. And it's the same with uh, it's the same with the, with the Rota. I mean, the, uh, a few courses have come on and off the Rota. Uh, the first the first um, the first uh, Open Championship at Turnberry was not until 1977. The Duel in the Sun with Jack and uh, and Tom Watson. That that was the first time they used that one as a. As a um, I don't think if I realize that. Yeah. yeah. And, and they've, you know, so they've had like three, um, Carnoustie went a long, long time in between having him and not having one. Um, you know, I, they're all great places. I, I'm not saying don't go. Um, I, I guess what I would say is if you're going to Scotland and, and a big part of it to me is, you know, the clubhouses and, and kind of soaking, soaking up the history and, and, and looking at all the old trophies in there and, and, and kind of the fact that these are, 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 are true clubs, you know, they're yeah. true golf clubs that, that really have, have nurtured the game over the years. It's the birthplace and it's the, um, you know, kind of the, the growing house of the, a lot of the traditions and stuff. What Carnoustie and Turnberry would have in common, both of them, there is a Carnoustie uh, golf club and they have a clubhouse and there is a uh, Turnberry golf club um, that not very many people know about. Um, but it, they, they are not the buildings you see behind the 18th. Right, Th- right. Those are hotels in both cases. And especially in the case of Turnberry, I don't think there's any um, big secret. It is a for-profit entity. Um, yeah. and, and so there's maybe just a little bit of a less feel uh, of that. Uh, you know, it, it might be the difference between going to um, uh, Cypress Point versus going to Pebble Beach, you know. Um, Okay. Um, yeah, and, and and again, um, they're all great places, but but if for some reason time wise or something like that, or or dollar wise, um, you had to skip one. Um, those are probably the ones I say only because because like I say, they're um, you know they're um, you're not gonna you're not gonna meet a bunch of members while you're playing, or, right? Yeah. Or uh, hang out with them afterwards and have a beer or something like that. Um, in particular, um, Turnberry is gonna be you know it's gonna be tourists. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, you know this is a big year for golf history. Uh, I, 50 years from now talking about the road of courses 50 years from now i'm gonna be dead but uh maybe one of my grandsons will dig this up and listen to it um and you will probably be a member at pine valley by then but um so you can tell everybody this story well, we'll, we'll it seems smart but 2019 it's it's not going to be remembered for tigers um comeback or for cameron champs rookie year um 50 years from now, what, what 2019 is going to be remembered for is that, is that, um, open championship going back to uh, port rush. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it is a financial home run beyond, I mean, the RNA guys that the, the couple that I know that I've talked to, I mean, it's, it's, you know, there, there's been these concerns for, for years and years about, you know, well, if we go to Dornick or if we go to, uh, if we go to port rush or if we go to Royal Aberdeen, you know, are the courses going to work, but especially are the hotels and the roads and stuff. I mean, they've had yeah. some issues with that in the past with, with Turnberry and Carnoustie and some other places, but, but the ticket sales, um, and, and the people and the, and the, you know, the pride that, that they want to see Rory and they want to see, you know, you know, Graham McDowell figure out a way to, to scratch and claw his way in, um, to come home and play in that thing. Um, I think it's going to open some eyes and I, and I, I can't imagine it will be the last, you know, right. I, I think, um, it's going to open some doors and, um, and, um, you know, something's got to give there. Um, right. they're not going to have 20 clubs on a rotation. Um, it's, that's not feasible either for for what it takes to hold a major championship these days and the yeah. investment um clubs need to some certainty um that that you know it's going to return 
on a, on a somewhat frequent basis. So for everyone, I'm not saying for everyone that comes in, one's got to go out, but, but with port rush being as big of a home run as it already is financially and it, and it will be aesthetically and it will be competitively a home run too. I'm, I'm convinced of that. I love that place. And I, I love those people up there. They're that, that, that's a good, you know, that's a good golf town of, of good, people oh, good yeah. solid folks um who've been waiting a long 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 time for this um, absolutely that won't be the last of it you know d- does it mean they're gonna you know ha- how adventurous can they get you know i, I don't think you're gonna see one at, at bally bunyan or but but you know port marnock or or um no, port you know, or, cool or dornick yeah. uh it, it, yeah the whole thing would be interesting yeah. to see you know i i don't think kingsgarden is gonna get one kingsbarn's gonna get one just because it's right down the street from uh right down the street from um um, from St. Andrews. From St. Andrews. Yeah. And I don't think Renaissance is going to get one because it's literally uh, separated by a fence from um, Muirfield. But they could both hold one. And, you know, Royal Dornick or Castle Stewart, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't think we've heard the last of it for sure. Um, you know, I, I hate the influence of, of money on, on, you know, some things that should should be handled more appropriately um, for their place in history, like the Ryder Cup. Um, but... Yeah. Um, compared to like the Walker cup. But, um, in this case, I think the money is going to kind of help the open because it's going to open some eyes that, Hey, if we can, we can do this in a place like Port Rush, maybe we can do it in, in Dublin. Maybe we can do yeah. it in, in, uh, you know, the Highlands. So, yeah. We'll see. I, I, yeah. But, that'll be, that'll be fun to watch. For yeah. Sure. I, I think this is the start of it. It's, it's, um, like I said, I think we're going to look back and, and realize 2019 that, that open a Port Rush, that, that, that was a big deal. Yeah. That was I, a big I, deal. Absolutely. That's kind of a game changer. I think. Um, so kind of on that same note, uh, where would be courses that you um, that you would suggest in, in that area that might be off the Rota uh, that you would some of your favorites in, in that area that people who who might be might check out uh, after they've checked off Carnoustie, you know, old course, uh, mm-hmm. Port Rush in that area. So because um, I know you've you kind of spent a lot of time going and you've been back several, several, several times um, to to Scotland and you want to see places you haven't been in a while and you've kind of seen everything. So, so where would you suggest for someone looking for a really true Scottish experience or, or English experience that you wouldn't think of initially? Yeah, I'd say mix it up, you know, um, get, you know, get in your car and book, book, you know, if you're going to be there for five days or six days, book five rounds and, and leave a round or two open, yeah. you know, and, and, um, and just kind of ask the bartenders and, and, um, you know, meet people. I mean, the, the reason you keep going back, isn't this to keep uh, playing the same courses or to buy another cashmere sweater. Although I buy a cashmere sweater every time I go, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's the people, you know, yeah. that, that's what it, it's, it's, it's the courses, but it's also, why did this get here? Like it is, you know, oh, right. how did this all come about? And you meet the people and you see how it's carried over. And, and when you say, you know, why is the, the golf in the United States so much different than it is in Australia? And why is the golf in Australia so much different than it is in, um, in, um, the UK and, and, I'm hoping to learn what it's like in Japan this year. Yeah. Um, there's people behind all those things and there's decisions on why they did what they did and, and culturally and how the weather affects them and financially and things like that. And you start to kind of put it all together. And to do that, sometimes you got to get, you know, you got to get away from the 10 courses that everybody's heard about and, and, yeah. and kind of see how, how the, you know, what I said, the real folks live, but, but, but how it really operates. Another way to do it is to go in the wintertime. You know, if you go oh, to yeah. St. Andrews in November um, and, and you meet, you know, some guys from the St. Andrews golf club and, and they take, in um like i've been lucky to do several times and go have a beer in, the, in their clubhouse yeah i'm um, not in the rna but in their clubhouse th- those are the real golfers you know and and you find out the why they do their handicap system the way they do it and why they have the rules the way they do and you know 
the reason they play foursomes is because they're really cold over there and it's really damp <laughs> and they want to get back and start drinking and sit by the fireplace <laughs> but warm, they also want to yeah. stay out of the house and and not just go straight to the bar so the good yeah. warm-up and to get their exercise is to go out and walk six miles yeah with their buddies in two hours and the only way to do that is to you know play leapfrog and, and hit yeah. every other shot. And, and so you, you learn that stuff and you talk to people. So um, just, you know, go on and, and I would say vary your times of the year you go, um, you know, and, and you start to, you know, you see how the different courses play different ways right. also. But I'd say the other thing, which which is takes a little bit more discipline is, is to go inland as well. There, yeah. there are a lot of good golfers. You know, we we're talking about the Highlands, you know, Boat of Garden, mm-hmm. if you go up there. Um you know, the, the, there are um, some some courses that are not, um, you know, uh, seaside links courses that, that you think you got to go to. And, right. and that's the reason you're there. Um, but there are plenty of people in Scotland that, that don't play links golf that are, you know, in the, but they've still kind of managed to adapt the the, you know, the thought. I mean, if you if you're into reading the books and stuff like that, I mean, Woking is a perfect example down in um, the outskirts of London of, you know, they, it's, it was a bunch of guys who loved links golf, but they couldn't go out, um, um, you know, on the train and, and, and go out and play links golf. So it was how do we play links golf on an inland golf course? And, and you know, um, Mr. Lowe and, and, and his his guys, uh, you know, 150 years ago, they figured 140 years ago. They, uh, you know, they figured out how to do that with clever bunkering. And even though the turf conditions aren't exactly the same, they they figured out that, you know, you could still find sandy places and and, and put up strategic bunkering that, yeah, yeah, it's not created by Mother Nature like St. Andrews was, but but still kind of had the same shot values and, and provided yeah. the same to them uh, fun. And so, you know, you go there and you see that, you know, yeah. you go to Woking and it's, uh, you know, it's um, it's interesting to see. Um, after you've been out on the coast for you know a while and then you go to Woking or you go to um, Swinley Forest or St. George's Hill and you see oh this is you know they're, they're taking kind of the same concepts um, even though we don't have the spectac- is spectacular of a view yeah yeah definitely definitely um, so go inland go in November um the other thing I would say, you know, to kind of deepen your education on it, stay in one place. It, you know, especially yeah. if you're going as a single. Um, going as a single, um, you know, you're into it, and and okay, you've been with your friends a couple times, but but they're they're running out of resources, or their wives are running out of patience, or <laughs> or just you know you've got some opportunities because you need to travel over there anyway, or you've got a wedding to go to, or whatever. So you're going to do it as a single. Um, I would say it, it's pretty grueling. I mean, it, it's physically you're doing all the driving and all those things, but kind yeah. of mentally as well. It's a, uh, you know, it's different um, not knowing anyone for four or five days in a row and mixing in walking yeah. for five or six hours and filling up some time in the evening when you're jet lagged and you're, you know, when you're sitting in a bar and you don't know anybody, it, it's kind of weird and you can talk to the bartender or whatever. But but that's where you know you meet a taxi cab driver, or you meet a bartender, or you meet a guy at a club, and uh, the Scots are and 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 all the um, the Brits. And, and, and in Ireland, they're, they're great at welcoming people. I mean, they realize it's kind of tied into their economy and stuff. But uh, yeah. um, so they've got an incentive to do it. But but they're, they're pretty welcoming people once they realize that that you're not just another tourist, but you're really yeah. there. So the way to do that is to stay in one place. So if you're a single, you know, you go to some place and, and go to dinner at the same restaurant yeah. three nights in a row and kind of sit at the bar and just see how it goes. And and another one that I've picked up over the years is so if you're going to go to a place and, and you're visiting a you know a, a course that you can kind of consider a 10 or a 9 you know you're going to, to, to play North Barrack or you're going to Cruden Bay um, you're kind of focused on that one you've been there maybe once before but you were with some guys and it went pretty yeah. fast and you had to get back on the bus and you wish you could have played it again and, and now you're going over by yourself and you're going to see it um, go over and play it the day you get there um, yeah. and then place other places for three days and, and you know and, and kind of walk the same route in town and kind of and, and see how the town is in, at seven o'clock in the morning and see how the town is at eight o'clock at night or whatever. But, yeah. but you know, 
go, you know, kind of start hanging out at the same places and you'll see some faces and they'll see you and maybe they realize that you're there. But then play it right before you leave too. Okay. Because if you instead of playing 36 holes in one day at the same course that that you love, it's a little more expensive if you if you split up your rounds and you don't play them the same day. But if you play them five days apart or six days apart, you know, you play it when you get there on Monday and you play it again on Friday before you leave, you you, you it increases your chances of getting different weather conditions and different wind. Yeah. And you know, if you play Muirfield one day and the wind is blowing in off um, the water and then you play it three years later and the wind's in a completely different direction it certain holes might seem a little bit different but but it's pretty tough to remember at yeah. least it is for me some some people have better memories of that than others um if you if you play them five days apart it's yeah. a lot easier to oh okay this makes sense or man this was a, that bunker was not in play yeah and now it is um you know, um, don't be afraid to play the same course. Uh, you know, once you've seen what you want to see, but you're really you're really interested in figuring out North Bearbrook, or you really want to see Cruden Bay and, and and how this all works and why this is such a crazy course, but laid out the way it is. Um, you know, don't be afraid to go and play it um, two, three times on on one trip. And yeah. uh, you know, that's something that's probably a little easier to do if you're traveling by yourself or, or you've found somebody um, as as crazy as I am to go with you. <laughs> um, you know, that's into it. Trying to talk eight guys who are on a once in a lifetime trip in Scotland and to play the same course three times in eight that's times. That's not gonna happen. Yeah, that's not gonna that's happen. That's not gonna so happen. That, yeah. That's probably more of a advanced level. Um, tip that i would give yeah no definitely um all right so a few more questions and then i'll let you get out of here yep. um so we we initially met you know through golf twitter um mm-hmm. so talk a little bit about how that's kind of affected uh golf travel and and the golf community as a whole and kind of tied us all together because you kind of mentioned it before with the, the forums and the um and just you know chatting about golf and and maybe has it heightened uh, people's interest in uh, in architecture and travel to the to the UK and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. it's I, I think it's I think it's a great thing. Um, it yeah. has its downside, but want to hear about what your, your thoughts on that. I think it is it's great for the beginners, no question about that. Yeah. I mean, there is a sense of community. Um, you know, I, I was from the pre Tiger Woods days when when you know um, there were high school golf teams in Cincinnati that had six people on the team and, yeah. and for five spots and they were scrambling trying to find, you know, enough guys to warm bodies to fill the team and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's not a case, uh, the case, um, post tiger. Um, it's great. It's great for finding information and it's great for kind of bringing people together that figure out that, Hey, I like this. And this is the reason I like it. Whether you are heavily into the equipment side or you are heavily into the, um, following the pro tours and, and being involved in fantasy, um, gambling and all that stuff uh, or you happen to be like me and you're really into the golf course side um you know the social media like like in all facets of life these days it helps people to for good or bad kind of um uh you know separate themselves into smaller and smaller tribes no, that yeah. are very focused on, on what they like um i think that's a positive aspect for golf for yep. that it's easier to find stuff on that stuff it's easier to make connections and and um, develop the relationships and, and things like that i think it will be interesting how it plays out with um, you know, the, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more turned off by maybe the transactional nature of some of those relationships, you know, yeah. somebody just out of the blue, Hey, can I play your course? Cause I'm trying to play all the top one hundreds and I'm going to be in this city on this day and this city on this day. And can I play your course at two o'clock on, on April 9th? Um, you know, yeah. it's, they're not making looking to be my friend or, uh, they're not really looking to learn much about, uh, Harry Colt or Alistair McKenzie. They just want to, um, stop by for four hours and check it off the list and, and get their Twitter yeah. pick and, and spend $200 in the pro shop and move on. So there's some of that for the experts, you know, you worry a little bit that, that there's some group think, you know, that, that, yeah. that would creep in that everybody kind of decides that, um, you know, um, because, because they've read it or because people that they think, um, um, are more knowledgeable or yeah. the trendsetters, um, that, that, 
you know, that's what should be the right way or the wrong way, either to play golf or the places to visit. Um, they're all good, you know. Yeah. I, I, I like oh, playing yeah. golf, and and I like playing golf with my um, friends in a golf cart, driving around, drinking beer uh, <laughs> with guys I haven't seen in a long time that are thirty six handicaps, and I like watching Hermie play the back tees at Pine Valley and shoot sixty five, you know, and and <laughs> going in and having a, a snapper soup afterwards. Yes, but I like them both, you know, and and um, it it depends what day it is, and I like wearing a coat and tie and and going into fancy clubhouses, and I like being able to wear a t shirt sometimes and golf shorts. Um, yeah, and, and I think. That that it, it's good and it's good for the game that all those things present themselves um, as long as there is the core values um, are, are what's being um, you know cared for that 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 it is a sport and that there is a certain rhythm to the game and that there is a certain um, you know um, set of courtesies to the game yeah. and the way it should be played as long as those can be um, propelled forward I'm for you know anything else and I think that that's true whether you're talking about with your buddies or your local golf club and 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 trying to figure out how to um, get more people to join your club or um, get people to play more your your course or whether you're talking about how to run the PGA Tour um, I, I think experimentation and, and coming up with the different ideas on, on the stuff is uh, is fine I mean there's it's um, you read the books and it is amazing how much stuff we think is set in stone and then um, you read that in 1978 it was absolutely not set in stone it, it, right. or that the yeah. reasons why um, something that we think is is um, unchangeable the reason that it was put in place in the first place was was very arbitrary, it, right, and, um, yeah. and and that's true even with with golf course architecture. You know, it's 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 amazing. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's things that we just take for granted. And, and if you if you think you're woke and you spend time on the social media <laughs> about this club is better than that club, or if you're in San Francisco, this is the good one to play, and this is the medium one to play, and this is the bad one to play, yeah, um, or whatever. Um, that certainly wasn't true 30 years ago. Get a copy of a, of a golf magazine or a golf digest or links um, from 25 years ago. It's amazing how much people's opinions change. And while you're right in the heat of the moment, um, everybody thinks they're right. And it's amazing when you look back in 25 years and you think, man, what a bunch of idiots those guys were 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. But I can assure you the people in 1975 um, thought the people that designed golf courses in 1940 were a bunch of idiots. And yeah. so, you know, the people in 2050 are going to look at us and think, what in the world were those guys? B- bunch um, of idiots. <laughs> yeah. And and we don't know why, you know, and it'll be very yeah. curious. I'm not going to be around to find out. But, um, you know, is, is building these golf courses in the middle of nowhere um, – and it's kind of destination retreats. Um, if the price of oil is five hundred dollars a barrel and it costs, you know, nine thousand dollars to fly to Oregon, um, <laughs> that might not seem like it's such a good idea. Um, but on the other hand, they might look back and think, why in the world would you put a television and a um, cell phone charger in a golf cart um, when the whole idea of golf is to get some exercise and get away from all that yeah. stuff? So um, who knows? You know, it'd be yeah. interesting to how it turns out. Um, you know, it's golf. It's not life or death. It's not healthcare. It's not, you know, there's no. a, um, it's a game. And so, uh, that's another danger of social media, I think, is just being able to take a step back from it and, and you know, and, and realize that, um, I think everybody should have two Twitter accounts. You should have your one to collect news and get a wide variety yeah. of feelings on a wide variety of topics. And then you can switch over to your, um, your funny golf one and, niche um, golf, and, you uh, know, yeah. and, and, uh, um, check right. that out. Yeah. Um, all right. One more. Uh, well, one more quick one, and one more kind of open-ended one. Mm-hmm. Most overrated top 100 course. Uh, I'm going to say the one that we are sitting a mile away from right now. <laughs> yeah, we are in lovely Hilton Head, South Carolina. It's about 80 <laughs> degrees out right now. Don't come here, people. Do not come here. And it's terrible. Here, no. Here's the reason why. This alligator situation is completely out of control. <laughs> it is. I mean. 
It's the, I mean, they're crawling around out there right now, Ian, and yeah. people are just letting them go. I don't know it's, how, I don't know how this, this is not a good part of American golf. If, if you flew over to play the country club of Durban, um, great golf course, 1922, George Waterman laid it out. The only golf course he ever built top 100 in the world. Probably. <laughs> um, if you flew over to country club of Durban and the starter and you got to the first tee and there was a lion laying over on the right-hand side of the first fairway sleeping. And you were like, hey, uh, and the uh, starter was there, and you are like, hey, wh- what's going on with that lion over there? And the starter said, oh, they're native to this area. Just leave him alone. He's, they sleep most of the day. If you don't bug him, he won't bug you. And you started playing the golf course, and there were like three or four lions just laying behind the fourth hole sleeping. That would be a big problem. Yeah. But yeah. you come to Hilton Head or you go down to Sawgrass, these things are everywhere. I, I, they're I, looking to eat you. Yeah. We've got to get rid of these things. I've become so desensitized this to it. This is a problem. Playing, like, I, I if see it, it was in your backyard, you wouldn't let it stay there. No. What is it doing <laughs> over on that golf course over there? Any, any golf course in this area. It's, it's kind of crazy. This I is mean, crazy. Yeah. We need some kind of federal agency <laughs> intervention, something. PETA, if you're listening, come at me. I don't care, man. <laughs> Make some oh belts. Gosh. Those things aren't animals. Those things are dinosaurs. Yeah. And, and enough's enough. And they're terrifying. They're, enough's they're, enough. They're absolutely terrifying. They are completely terrifying. Oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> there is no way I would stay on the first floor of a hotel on this island. Uh, or, or rent a house and bring your dogs out nope. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. No. Nope. Yeah. Absolutely not. Uh, terrifying. All right. Well, uh, one more one more quick one, and then uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and cut it. But um, you mentioned Japan. Where mm-hmm. have you not been that you want to go besides Japan? Uh, so Japan's up there. We're, we're going to Australia, right? We're, we're, we're going. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. yeah. So next February, big big to doings. Uh, some of us that that are, have not been there, um, we need to go. You know, you read Jeff Ogilvie and Links Magazine, and and you just drool and and Tom Doak's uh, Confidential Guide Part Five that just Which came out. I haven't out. read yet. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I My, need to, Michael need to get Clayton, Rob Morey. I mean, those guys, they're doing a great job with social media over there. I think balanced, but but offering different takes than we have here. And I, I think uh, the uh, the Aussies, I'm into it, man. I, I don't know if somehow I got into their uh, into their stream, but I'm looking forward to going over and meeting all those guys. And um, so we're going to do that next November. Play. Uh, I hope to play everything in melbourne um you know in the sand belt yeah uh, but also some pretty good links courses um outside of melbourne and then um if we got a big enough group and it makes sense financially which i think it will at this point um text me if you want to go or uh dm me if you want to go yeah um we're gonna get on a plane and fly to barnboogle and do those and then fly over to king's island and do that and then I'm not sure from there. I mean, yeah. uh, that, know, that, that, those are two big destinations. That's a long way to go. Yeah. And the question is always, and it's the same thing with planning for Japan. I mean, for me, that's like a lot of guys going to Australia, I guess, which is like, okay, if this is the only place I'm ever going to, the only time I'm ever going to be down there, yeah. um, you know, seven days, 10 days, 14 days. I mean, you could play 30 days in a row in Australia yeah. and, and, and never play a bad golf course. But some point you got to uh, pay your American Express bill, and some point you got to come home and uh, and make it up to the family. So um, yeah, <laughs> we got to figure that out. But yeah, definitely uh, we will play the big ones and um, and hopefully kind of see that real Australia too. You know, it's not just a matter of getting off the plane and playing Royal Melbourne or Kingston Heath, just like just like going to, to Scotland. It's not yeah. the same thing there. So um, kind of meeting the Aussies and seeing the real stuff they got there and. Uh, Checking it out. Hope to see him. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know you are, too. So I, I, that's a, I think it's a good place to end it. Um, Wolfie, thank you so much for coming in, man. Uh, and I hope to, uh, hope to be seeing you uh, before Australia. But, Absolutely. Uh, at Bama Bearcat then. on Twitter. <laughs> at Bama Bearcat. Yeah, anything you want to promote? I've got no books. <laughs> uh, got nothing to sell. I've got nothing to advertise. Just follow him on Twitter. i got 2,000 followers. So Aaron <laughs> Dill, you know, if you're listening... Those beautiful stamped wedges you're always sending to social media people. 
I'm a 52, 56, 60, eight degree bounce. <laughs> I can be bought. Mike Kaiser, you know, if you're listening, I don't know what you bribe Machinella every year, but I promise you I'm cheaper than him. You know, <laughs> send some love my way. I need free stuff, people. Oh, so, that's funny. At Bama Bearcat. That, appreciate it. Wolfie, until next time. Yeah.